Welcome to Leading to Sales. Happy Thursday. Believe it or not, we're already almost through January. My name is Brett Williams. I will be your host as I am every time we do this show. Um, I'm excited about today's show because I think for so many people um, that tune in, this is going to be so applicable. Uh, my friend Mark Mack, who I met through Justin Michael, is our guest today. He's got over 26 years of experience in the sales industry, and he has done that through a number of industries. And what we're going to be talking a lot about today is adapting and overcoming through change. Um, many of you may have seen earlier that I posted a video um, today on LinkedIn about the future of sales. And I can tell you there is nobody that I can think of better to help us talk about adapting and overcoming and changing as we move forward into really what this new future, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't think anybody does. So um, what we'll do is I'll be right back right after this with Mark and I. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, hey, Mark, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. I love that music, man. That's pretty tight. <laughs> hey, we got to hype it up a little bit. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's like I, when you're... I, I, about to make calls. You got to get the hype going. <laughs> I was ready to stand up and grab the phone. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, guys, you know, like I said, I met Mark through um, uh, our mutual friend, Justin Michael. Um, Justin Michael's amazing sales board group. If you don't know about that, um, just send me a message. You'll want to you'll want to hear about it if you're in the sales and marketing um, arena. But um you know, Mark and I got a chance to catch up last week and and I had heard bits and pieces of Mark's story and kind of what he was doing um, through time. But Mark and I got a chance. I think it was last week. It may have been earlier this week. I can't remember. It's all running <laughs> together now. Um, it's the, the middle of the pandemic. So it's kind of like Groundhog Day. But um, we got to, a chance to catch up and and he told me his story. And what really just jumped out at me is his adaptability. So, Mark, just do a quick intro of yourself. Tell people a little bit about your background and a little bit about what you got going on right now, because you got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I totally appreciate you having me on, Brett. It was definitely great talking with you. Uh, I think it was this week <laughs> on Monday or something uh, or Tuesday. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I started really, you know, out of college, um, you know, working actually insurance, pretty much knocking door to door. Um, making calls, trying to set up meetings in the evening with families uh, and try to sell them insurance. Um, it was good. It, you know, it was it was a, it was a business. You know, I think what I learned back then, I mean, th those are the days where I spent a lot of time like reading about sales. And, you know, I got f my next career after insurance. Uh, I was in IT solutions. So that company, you know, had me going to like I think Dale Carnegie and I did, uh, what was it? I did Sandler back then. So, yep. you know, I was learning all these methodologies, but it was still like in, in the IT business back then before SaaS, before software, you know, as a service, it was like, we were putting people at, at, uh, at our client to build applications that were one, you know, for processes that were, weren't automated at the time that were being done by paper and so it was a it was a boiler room type of environment. I mean, my my manager would sit across 
the desk for me and listen to my calls. And then like, if he didn't, if it wasn't going right, or he wasn't like hearing what I was, if I wasn't saying the right thing, he like, put the guy on hold, put the guy on hold. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm just like, uh, and the guy's talking on the other line, you know? And, and then like, I remember one time he reached across the desk and put the guy, put my phone on hold. And I was like freaking out. Cause like the guy was talking and I'm just like, Oh my God, I go, why did, why did you do that? You know? And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, I need you to say this. I need you to say that. I need you to say this. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I really should be listening. And when I picked up the phone, the guy was still talking, ironically. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was kind of funny. But then, but I really wasn't listening to the customer. You know, I was, I was inf inflicting my process on them. Wow. And I, mean, I think that's where a lot of salespeople were taught many years ago to do. And, uh, you know, it's definitely not where the future of sales is. In fact, you mentioned the the article or the post uh, was something that was, uh, I don't know if it was coming off of Jake Dunlap's uh, whole scale yeah. marketing thing. Yeah, I, I posted something too about that. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't long even after those years in that type of business that I realized it was more about the customer and what really drew me into the customer was being face to face with them. Cause yeah. in the IT business, I was on the phone and, you know, it was all about volume. It was all about as many calls as you can make connects, you know, uh, dial for dollars, so to speak. Right. Although it yeah. was a lot of fun, you know, you hang up the phone, you high five for winning deals and go put it up on the board, Mark, you know, and I won president's club and ringing the bell. Did y'all have the bell? Oh yeah. Ringing the bell. <laughs> well, there was a big bell. It was like a bell that you walk up and you, you hit with this mallet. I think it was. We had. Nice. Yeah. And so, but then I, but then my, my life changed. Like that was it sales. I thought I was going to be there forever. I mean, I, I, I mean the, the company blew up really, really fast. If anybody remembers, pre 2000, you know, the biggest thing was Y2K. And so we build like millions, uh, right up until, you know, 12, 31, 99, you know, <laughs> and, and it was a lot of fun. And, um, but unfortunately the bubble bursted and a little bit after nine 11 and, and that company kind of shifted its focus and we, a lot of people got let go. So I, I moved into the building products business, which was totally different. Yeah. And it became a, a position where I was face to face now with the customer every day. I, I worked for Sherwin Williams and they uh, had me on the streets of Manhattan and I was calling on paint contractors and commercial office properties and hospitals and nursing homes and schools and things like that. And it was a lot of fun. And it was about going to the customer and sitting down with them face to face and understanding, hey, what is it that you need me to do? You know, like what are you painting or, you know, what is the solutions that you need? You know, do you need this kind of, you know, side thing like a wallpaper or, yeah. or window treatments or something like that. And, and that's when I, I started to, you know, close up my mouth and just listen. Although through the IT business, my, my owner there, my mentor there, you, she used to have a little note on my desk uh, to, to remember to be short and sweet. Yeah. Right? That was like this thing that I had going on, the short and sweet, because, you know, I was taught to like, you know, kind of bulldoze the customer, so to speak, you know, and um, and 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 she tried to teach me not to. But it wasn't really until I got face to face where I really started honing in on that. What would you say? Because that's that's a big transition. And I, and I know a lot of people we kind of have this mixed group right now of we've got 
the people that used to be more outside sales that because of the current pandemic environment have had to make the shift to inside sales. Hmm. And then you've got these people that have lived in inside sales and, and now they're, if you will, their competition of outside sales is now, now they're kind of both vying for decision makers, time and attention. So what, what would you say were some of the biggest things that you learned in making that transition from inside to outside? Um, that you couldn't get, you couldn't see as many people necessarily in the day. Um, especially when I started covering a little bit more than just Manhattan, where I had to go to Brooklyn and Queens and Bronx and Long Island, you know, you had to be really cognizant of your schedule. You had to be really disciplined in going to the next place to get here 10 people that day. Yeah. Whereas now I probably talk to, you know, 50 people a day all across the world. So yeah. the, the biggest difference I it was like, I could, you know, you can, you can live to 30 or 40 people a day if, if not more. Yeah. Biggest difference was, I'm sorry. The biggest difference no, was I to make each one of the calls um, convert, you know, yeah. cause you didn't have it. You had to really concentrate and be disciplined on the questions you're asking and getting and getting that client that you're going to go see through the stage. It wasn't about setting up the next meeting or setting up a, a second meeting because you may not be able to get back there for another few weeks, you know? And so what I really learned uh, there, uh, I, it changed my game. You know, it made my game stronger because I realized I don't have any people to go see. So I couldn't just put up, you know, 50 numbers a day or 50 meetings a day. I had to make, yeah. you know, eight or nine work, you know. So when you were doing that and now that you're back in more of like an inside sales role, what how, how do you see that because of that experience, it does has it made you more effective and more, I guess, focused whenever you're doing the inside sales? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm deaf, you know, just my disposition on the phone. Like, I mean, look, you know, I think then I probably had a little bit of commission breath, you know, uh, <laughs> so to speak, like I wanted every sale. And I think like one of the biggest things that I could impart on either younger, uh, salespeople is you know there's so many fish and worry about like you got to treat every call like look if it's not gonna if it's not a right time like i i don't look at not interested as rejection i just say they're not interested you know yeah. um and maybe it's just not right timing it's all about timing these are some of the things that you know i talk about in the discord with justin and the groups there and people that know me have heard me drop these bombs before, but um, it, it's really timing. And there's nothing to be afraid of on the phone. And there's no, I find it interesting when people say, you know, I'm afraid to pick up the phone because I don't want to be rejected. Rejected? What do you mean? <laughs> it's like when you ask that girl to the prom and she, that's like when you're 17, you know, but when, <laughs> you know, you know, when you're in business, Everybody says no every once in a while. I mean, you have to think about yourself as a as a buyer. Like when you go yeah. to the store or when you get a phone call from a you know, solicitor or something, there are going to be those times where you're just going to say no, right? So 
but it may not mean that you don't really want it or you're, you know, like you hate that person. You just, it's just not the right time for you. So if you think about it that way, um, you know, one of the lessons that I've learned a long time ago that I do consistently is, hey, listen, if I see that you're not interested, I appreciate that. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody that's interested? Right? Exactly. Like I, I get that referral. I Even if I don't get it, but I ask for the referral every single time, you know, no yeah. matter what. Right. Or it's it's obviously a lot better when you actually close the deal and then you ask for the referral because then they're probably more apt to give it to you. Yeah. Um, but but that's important because, you know, what, what what I love about what I'm doing now is calling all over the country. You know, years of, you know, for the last 20 some odd years, I've only been forced to call New York and New Jersey. Um, and, you know, some people in New York and New Jersey, they're hard to deal with. You know, I've been able to adapt each phone call that I make, I'm going to run into somebody who's pissed off or, you know, just <laughs> has that typical New York uh, kind of attitude. But now I love calling other places like Tennessee or uh, <laughs> North Carolina or Alabama or like oh, Texas yeah. or, I mean, there are definitely a difference in disposition, <laughs> you know, like uh, you, you can definitely, uh, I, and, and I lean into that. I'm like, hey, how are you guys doing, you know, or whatever. And and uh, I just, I actually enjoy it more now. Um, even though I'm probably working even just as hard as I was, um, I love it because the reactions on the phone, it, it, it is fun. Like oh, yeah. I try to make it fun. I try to make people laugh. Uh, and if I could tell anything to anybody, last night on Clubhouse, I was saying this, I'm like, you know, uh, I think I was, I was right next to corporate bro right on one of those in one of those rooms yeah and he chimed in right after me and uh, and he's like yeah you know because that's his shtick to make people laugh right yeah and uh i i try to do that you know and sometimes i don't try sometimes it just happens like i'll i'll i'll, I'll use a laugh in between what i'm saying like <laughs> and they just <laughs> laugh with me and so it's infectious you know exactly. and if you get somebody to laugh they're gonna they're gonna like they're gonna give you what you want it and is so and it's make it fun there's a book and I'm looking here right now. Yeah. This is a book that was actually recommended to me by Jeffrey Gittimer. And he recommended me, re recommended it to me because I asked for it. I want to make that clear because, <laughs> but it's called, it's by Steve Allen. It's actually an out of print book, but it's called how to be funny. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, the, the foreword was written by Bill Maher. Um, but I mean, the, I think the power of humor in relationships, because if you think about it, if it's, it's about the the great Wyatt Woodsmall, who is who is uh, fortunately a, a friend of mine. Um, he says it's not just is about he fortunate for being friends with you, or are you fortunate? <laughs> to be friends with I am fortunate for being friends with him. He he taught. He was one of Tony Robbins' original NLP mentors, so he's mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And one of the things that he taught me, and he taught he taught Jeffrey Gittimer this as well, is it's not just about finding common ground. It's about finding shared value. And what I've found is one of the easiest ways to, to kind of break down that shared value wall is to share a laugh because it's, and God knows there's enough to laugh about with the way things have been going now, you know? I mean, it's like, there's ridiculous stuff going on. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your, your no, uh, intro there. No. So you're, you went from, um, so you were in the paint business doing the building supplies and then you made some shifts even after that, right? Yeah. So I was in uh, paint and coatings, if you will, uh, with Sherwin Williams for almost 10 years. 
And I found uh, when I got promoted midway there, I won a couple of president's clubs as a field rep. And then I moved into an, what they call an architectural rep role, which is where I was calling on architects and designers. And so what that really opened my eyes to is all the other building products that goes into building a building, you know, from furniture to flooring to, you know, lighting to all these different things. And I realized that, um, you know, I, I was in that part of my career where like money was everything, you know, and like yeah. I just wanted to make more money. And anybody who doesn't have that on their mind is lying to you because, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's always there. It's, it's supposed to be a byproduct of what you do. You shouldn't really be right. focused on it. And so I, I looked at these other product lines that I was seeing as an opportunity to make more money because the margins in paint were so small that, you know, they're not going to pay you that much, you know? Right. So it was all like, you know, get more, get more, get more commissions. And I thought, well, I found this company called Inpro and they, um, they had a product in the hospital cause I was calling on hospitals. And so like there's handrails in the hospital and there's cubicle curtains in the hospital and signage and this company Inpro out of Wisconsin, that's what they make. And, uh, I don't remember if they recruited me, but they recruited me out of, uh, out of uh, Sherwin-Williams. And I went over there for about five years. Um, and it was great. It was very focused, niche focused. I wanted to focus on something very specific. Healthcare was booming. Yeah. Uh, you know, healthcare products, building hospitals, renovating hospitals was like, you know, really spiking. And I thought, hey, this is where I want to be. And so what was really awesome about that company is that they had all these product lines. And what I, what I learned at that company was, is that as one person, there's only so as a full life cycle rep, you yeah. know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a part of like an SDR to AE customer support. Like I did everything. Yeah. You know? And so it was like, you had to find the customers, then you had to sell the customers, then you had to close them, then you had to support them to make sure that they stay with you. Yeah. So there was really no, there was customer service to answer questions if they had technical problems, but they, you had to handle the relationship all the way through. So there's only so many of those that you can handle effectively yeah. and keep those customers to keep coming back. So what I learned from them was that it's not about going out and getting thousands of customers, but if you can get so many customers to know, like, and trust you and buy from you, then figure out how many more products you can sell them or more services that you can provide to them. Yeah. And then you can really grow your business exponentially. Um, so, uh, I took that lesson and I went out on my own in 2015 and I started repping various other products, furniture. I was still handling, you know, like kind of reselling and installing the handrails and the window treatments and the cubicle curtains. And I just started adding products to this existing customer base that I had. Yeah. Um, and I was able to successfully deliver and keep those customers. And so my philosophy is, is just that, you know, sell more product to the same customer. You got to go out and get some new customers, obviously, well, you, yeah. know, you know, consistently as well so that it can keeps, keeps growing. But, you know, I think it's uh, when you're only one person, you have to you have to have limits, you know, and you have to know your limits and, you know, there's only so many customers you can handle. So that's what I learned from there. I went out on my own. It was going really well. Um, I, I think the only downside was that I was growing and then I thought, Hey, you know, maybe I can hire some people. Uh, so maybe the lesson I learned there was don't hire people too soon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause you may not be able to afford it. Yeah. Um, 
And so I, I really wasn't able to scale because not a lot of people wanted to come work for no money uh, in straight commission. It's not for everybody. It takes a, yeah, it takes, it's not for the faint of heart. And so I, uh, I actually wound up taking a job with one of the vendors that, that I uh, was representing had asked me to come on board to be their director of sales. And uh, I think I said no a couple of times, but then they coerced me to, to come on board and that was a furniture business selling, unfortunately, primarily into hospitality. And so okay. when COVID hit, it just fell apart. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so I went back on my own and I just started looking for products to wrap. Uh, I found a couple of different products to wrap. And then my uh, my big my buddy from college, Elliot, I don't know if he's watching. Um, he asked me to come on board and and uh, help him launch or grow uh his new company called Absorbits, mm -hmm. Absorbits.com, if anybody wants to check it out. And it started with a, uh, basically, it's a moisture removal bag for electronics. So if you ever drop your phone in the water, um, lots of people say, yeah, put it in rice. Uh, well, rice is for eating, okay? <laughs> and uh, I just had sushi last night, so I know that well. Um, but, <laughs> But uh, it, it truly is. It's not only did it not work when he put his phone, his, he dropped his phone in the water. And not only did it not work when he pulled it out, but the rice was all stuck in all the ports and stuff. And so he said it had to be a better way. And so he, he partnered with a company that has this wicking nylon and he sewed the desiccant packs into the lining. And then next thing you know, um, he started selling it uh, and he bootstrapped and he went out on his own. And he's been, you know, he's a longtime sales rep like me from financial business. So he knows how to sell. And he went out and he just started, you know, calling up places, Home Depot, this, that, and the other place. And, uh, and he got it moving and then he got an investment and that's when he called me. Uh, and he's like, look, I need a, I need my best sales guy. And I went down I met with his investors and I found that it had some legs and I decided I would give him a, a bunch of hours a week. Um, and it kind of shifted. So they just have, they have the electronics bags. And then we, he saw a huge opportunity in the firearms market. Uh, so firearms, rifles. Uh, I can't tell you how many people in the last six, two months. Uh, the first question I always ask is, that, have you ever dropped your firearm in the water? And I would say nine, you know, 99% of everybody that I've ever spoken to says, yes, I've done that. Yep. Uh, and so you could drop your firearm into this pouch. And about four hours later, same thing with the phone. You pull it out and it'll be in perfect working order. Uh, and so he got a patent on it and, uh, I've been pushing that product, uh, pushing that product. I've been selling that product for, uh, for about two months and, uh, I've done several deals. So, uh, it seems to be going well. We have an affiliate program. So if anybody's interested in it, they can certainly check it out on our website. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, it's an interesting market gun enthusiasts, especially now are, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them out there, more than I expected. <laughs> well, tell me this, because, you know, more than anything, I think that if anybody's heard heard this story, man, you just kind of gave like a scaled down version of it. Um, what, because you've had to really shift and, and even just completely pivot so many different times. What has helped your mindset? Because I, I know so many people that, and there are so many people, quite frankly, that are right now that are hurting you know, in both in the sales industry and the marketing industry and just really across the country and the world, I guess, because of the pandemic situation and all that, what was some, what were some of the things that you did just to kind of 
keep your mindset where you needed to be and always in that opportunity mode of, okay, this didn't go the way I thought it was going to be. Now what do I need to do? Yeah. Um, confidence, just confidence in myself, obviously having some confidence in the product line, you know, yeah. getting the, getting the re- feedback that this product's actually got some legs, obviously helps you be confident in and of yourself. But I, but I've always been confident about myself. I don't, I don't like when somebody says, no, it's okay. I mean, it's like, all right, especially now because I don't, because of this industry I just started. So there's like, I mean, for example, gun shops for that matter, like I, I put them on, if you go on LinkedIn and you put in gun shop, like 11,000 come up. So yeah. I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like, I just look at it that way. Oh, you don't like it. You don't want it. It's too expensive. Oh, you can't fit it. Okay. See you later. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and that really, honestly, that's unless you have only, let's say 150, like I, I have a morning coffee with a uh, John Blake, uh, he's a legal, he does like legal, uh, legal software. Uh-huh. Uh, he probably is watching. Uh, so plug in John Blake. Um, he, he said to me, like, he's got 150 customers, right? So he doesn't have the, uh, you know, maybe the luxury of blowing a sale or whatever, you know? So right. not every, and some, there's a lot of other industries, a lot of other people who probably have that same situation where their total addressable market is very small. So you have to be real concise and really focused uh, on what your messaging and how you're approaching these customers because you can't afford to lose them. But most of the time, I've always had a lot of customers. So I never like, you know, I, I never really was uh, upset or got inside my head. Although I will admit, and most people may have seen this, I think last Friday, I was calling on a customer that has 110 stores and two district service centers in, in uh, America. And... The guy said, no, I mean, I tried everything. I, I mean, not that I tried everything. I just said, well, what is it? You know, why am I missing the mark here? You know, yeah. and uh, I even said to the guy at one point in the conversation, I said, look, man, I'm trying here. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let you go that easy. You've got 110 stores and two district service centers. You're my whale, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, said to him, I swear to God, I said it just like that. And he kind of laughed, but he was, uh, he just wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, uh, I, I actually relegated to the fact that it, 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 it's, he's not ready yet for our product because his particular business, his stores are j- only just about a year ago got into firearms. And okay. he personally, he personally only got into this category role two months ago. So I kind of look back and say, well, you know, maybe he just doesn't know enough. Yeah. You know, and that's what made me feel better about it. I jumped on Clubhouse. Katie Hudson really kind of got me going, tell me not to worry about it. But I felt like I really um, a little bit of my confidence like slipped. Yeah. And and that's not normal for me, um, but it happens. And I think, you know, I, I, I sort of woke up the next morning and I realized that I thought it makes sense to maybe post about it because there's probably hundreds and thousands of people out there that sometimes don't feel confident. I wanted them to know that even the best of us, even the guys who have the most confidence in the world, you know, sometimes lose it a little bit and then have to like, you know, have to recharge. Like my, I said to my wife when I said, she's like, what do you think your, you know, the problem was? Cause I had a dream that night that like kind of weirded me out. And she said, and I said, well, I think it's a lack of confidence. And she's like, you, 
<laughs> I was just like, yeah, me, you know, sometimes it happens to me, you know, and, uh, you know, I just sort of like unplugged the next day, went out with my son, you know, took the dog out and yeah, I don't know, just got my win back and said, oh, all right, you know what? Monday's a new day, you know, and uh, yeah. I, I lived my life basically on how can I be better tomorrow? Like each yeah. day I look at, oh, it was a good day or it was not so good day, but I'm going to be better tomorrow. And yeah. that's probably even from day one out of college is what really deep down has kept me going. Just be better every day. Yeah. Don't worry that, you know, you had a shitty day. Uh, you know, just just try to be tomorrow. Be better. You know, try to make tomorrow better. And uh, and that's that's really what's helped me kind of keep going. And despite adversities, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a rep who's right now totally on commission, you know, and again, that's not for the faint of heart. And so there's there's weeks that I might not get paid. Yeah. You know, but then you close a deal or two and then you close six and then, you know, next thing you know, you've got the 20, 30 grand in your pocket and you can <laughs> keep going. So, you know, it, 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 it definitely ebbs and flows, but it's yeah. that idea of the confidence I have in myself to make it happen. You know, I don't have family to, to necessarily. I mean, I have family, but I don't have parents who are going to pay for me. You know, God forbid I can't make my mortgage or anything like that. Right. Um, so I have to keep going. You know, I have to have that confidence so that I can put food on the table. And and that's what's always kept me going. So. That's so cool. I think, you know, the thing that that really stuck out stuck out to me um, is firstly, whenever you're talking about the confidence and kind of like that, just you're going to keep going attitude. It just makes me think of a quote that Jeffrey Gittimer often uses. He says that uh, a lot that all salespeople think they know everything, but until you, when you get to New York and New Jersey, they really do know everything. So anything that anybody covers is just a review. It's uh, it just made me think of it because it's funny. <laughs> but I think the other piece that you talked about, and this is where Justin Michaels community comes in, is having that community, whether it's clubhouse, whether it's, you know, some, a group like what Justin Michaels got or, or even a team that you're a part of having that community, because we're all going to have moments of vulnerability and the constant change that we're all experiencing after a while, it's going to grate on you. And it may show up in that one sale that you're like, why did I have that moment of weakness? Quote unquote. And I don't even think it's really a moment of weakness. It's just stuff happens, but like having that moment, but having someone there to be able to support you from a community. And especially when it's a, a group of other people that are in the trenches as well. And they're like, yeah, dude, I just got my rear end handed to me today as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that group is very supportive. Um, I think, you know, LinkedIn can be great. Everybody who's made friends there that's taken it offline. Uh, the Discord's great because and jump in the voice channel you can private message clubhouse uh you know the latest the newest kind of uh, craze is certainly a great place to just say holy crap let me let me just go on room and you know whether i share or i i don't uh maybe i'll hear something that'll be inspiring or maybe i'll hear something that'll help me and i think one of the interesting things about that it makes me think of um you know, I used to I used to go from Staten Island to Brooklyn and on the Verrazano Bridge just before the, uh, those big wires or whatever they are going up. There's a sign 
that's like a for suicide, right? So to call the suicide hotline if you're feeling whatever it says, I forget. But I, I feel like even something somebody who's faced with that kind of trauma, and I've never really had that those thoughts myself, but um, idea that you could get help on the phone, like you could talk to somebody right away on that platform, um, I think is tremendous. Uh, it, I, I mean, I, I just expect that it's going to save lives, ironically, in a way. Um, maybe that's not designed for, of course, but it, it's going to save lives. It's going to change. I mean, lives are being changed right now on that platform, particularly people getting jobs. You know, the capability of the fact that you could uh, lean on people there or in, you know, the Discord or, you know, with Justin's group and, and sharing best practices. I mean, look, 20 years ago when I first came up, all we had were books or like training seminars from the old school people like Miller Hyman or, or Sandler or something like that. Dale Carnegie. Yep. Uh, you didn't have the Josh Brauns and the sale, you know, Justin Michaels, the Beck Hollins, the, you know, Jason Bays, you know, whomever yeah. you, you only had books and, and maybe your direct peers that you worked with. It was like not reaching out to somebody in India or Pakistan or California or Canada or North Carolina or whatever. Like you didn't, you just didn't have access. Yep. And the fact that you have access that anybody could have access to people from all walks of life in the trenches doing exactly what you're doing, regardless of the industry um, is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think more than ever, you know, talking about the future of sales, I think, that it can't, it has not looked brighter than it does now. And, you know, by the video I made earlier talked to, talked a little bit about the real future of the sales is in the past. And when I say when I said that, I was talking about making sure that people have their fundamentals. Like it's not about some great technology that's going to completely revolutionize your sales process. Yes, technology is going to play a role, but it's in the, in those fundamentals. And I think in those communities outside of books and, and yes, there's still amazing quality training out there and things like that but the community of what's working and, and then the support. I mean, you know, that's, I keep coming back to this and I think this is probably the third episode or so that I brought this up. Um, and if, and if you're listening in later, I know a lot of our listeners listen in later, Joshua Boswell did a, um, a LinkedIn live and a podcast episode with my, with one of my mentors, Joe Soto and Josh Boswell is an amazing copywriter. Um, he has written for some of the largest names in, in the world. And one of the things he talked about was the three areas that people are motivated by and it's safety, growth, and belonging. And, you know, in this area or in this time, from what he has said, people are moving a lot more toward belonging, whereas used to, they're kind of be kind of used to be equally distributed because yeah. safety or I guess assurance or, you know, kind of like that job quote unquote job security, which it's a joke, but job security, it's becoming less. Yeah. People are even questioning whether or not there's a lot of opportunity for growth, but that sense of belonging. And I think that's what clubhouse gives and what Justin Michael gives. Um, and I think that's where we're going to see it. You know, you got it from your manager sitting across the the table from you in the early days going, shut up, put him on hold, shut up, put him on hold. But now we've got that, you know, across the board of, hey, what's working or what's the crap you're dealing with and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you, you have these resources, so you don't have to make the mistakes in some cases. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. That's a part of growing and, and developing, but like you can learn from other people's mistakes a lot faster 
Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, we had to make the mistakes and we made a lot of them. And hopefully people learn from those and then they wrote about them. And then now people don't make those mistakes. There's new kinds of mistakes to make. But like, <laughs> but 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 again, you know, you, you have these communities and, and to learn from. I think, you know, what's funny is that I personally think that I have more of a community now than when I was working in an office with like 30 or 40 people, oh, yeah. you know, like I have a, we have a thousand on, on, um, you know, thousand over a thousand people in Justin Michael's group. Uh, Rev genius has 11,000 people. Not that I'm communicating with all 11,000, but they're there, you know, yeah. there's, there's probably eight or 900 active people on in any given day, you yeah. know, maybe more. I don't even know the stats get Jared Robin on here. He'll tell you, but like, it's it's amazing the amount of like I'm sitting here in my room all by myself in my office, uh, you know, with Al Pacino on the wall and whatever. But um, but and then I but then I can jump into the discord and there's 20 or 30 people I can access. You know, it's like I can have a conversation with this person. I could go here and talk with you. I could jump on Clubhouse. There's 700 people I could jump into a room. with. I mean, <laughs> like I not that I go in those rooms, but like. You, you just don't have that normally. And and I yeah. think it's 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 godsend, uh, even though COVID happened. You know, I do think about some people ask, well, would it have happened if COVID like would these platforms be around if COVID didn't happen? And I think they probably would have. Uh, they just probably wouldn't have had the, the hyper growth so quickly that they did. Exactly. Um, but what it's done for me is it, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've always been on my own. Like when I was in the field what kept me going was to not just be standing on the street by myself, but to go to the customer, keep going to the customers and go and seeing and talking to people yeah. and, you know, or talking with people. And, and, um, and so, but still I, I don't have as many friends as I have now. And so I think it's uh, yeah, it's great to have those people around and, and supporting you. And it's like, everybody is going through the same thing. If you're a salesperson, you're, everyone's doing the same thing, whether you're an SDR, a BDR, AE, whatever. There's there this is the way the day goes, you know. I mean, nobody yeah. goes through the day like <laughs> it's unheard of, you know. Yeah. Um, I think what's really cool. I, I was just on a seminar, a webinar earlier um, with Ring DNA, and they were talking about AI and ML. And uh, I actually was a, saying the other day, um, and when you talk about adaptability, right? Um, I I am pretty good at listening to what's going on on the phone uh which which i learned from being face to face but but listening and kind of understanding what's going on listening to the tone of the person on the other side of the line is my point getting across is it not you know yeah. mirroring what i'm hearing you know responding effectively responsively and i think what's interesting i i was first against the ai like being in front of a SDR, let's just say, while they're on the phone, giving them signals because it's reading either what they what the AI is hearing or what they're seeing. If it's like a, a Zoom call, because yeah. I feel like I can do it faster. Yeah, you know. And I was watching this thing with Ring. They've got some new technology coming out, Ring DNA, and um, the guy I, uh, I want to say I don't remember his name, but um, he uh, was doing a little demo. And it was actually pretty cool. Um, 
and it's fast. And I didn't realize how fast it could be. It was about like, you know, the AI listening for certain cues and or like certain things and like prompting yeah. the rep. But I think that uh, it it could be distracting to the rep because I think, you know, it, it's like, you know, young reps, I feel like if you give them too much technology, they're not really going to learn how to do it. Exactly. Like I, you know, like we did, you know, back in the day by really listening to understand and to understand how to respond. Um, if all of a sudden it just keeps giving you these messages, you know, but it was actually pretty cool. So I, I think the future of sales again, and we talk about this a lot in, in, um, in the discord is you've got to shine the light on the customer, right? Yes. You've got to, I even posted last night, a, a post about, uh, on LinkedIn about, just do the opposite of what your gut tells you to do every single time. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wish I did more of that when I was younger, trying to woo women. I probably, uh, <laughs> I probably would have had better luck, but uh, no, but it's, it's like, you know, we're all conditioned even now. And I don't say this is not the boiler room kind of attitude, but even now people are like, you know, they ask one question and they hear the answer. They hear that pain point and they are, ah, Let's jump on that. Let me pitch. Let me pitch. Right. Yeah. And and what you got to really do is just, you know, resist that urge, peel back the onion, as Justin says. Right. And just ask more questions and really yeah. just dial into what is the real impact? Because, you know, I was on a call the other day where we were talking about why why do deals die on the vine? Right. And it's like a lot of times it's because you didn't really understand what the real impact is to the business, right? Yes. And it's not even just about the problem. Like I, I have a, a methodology that in, involves understanding the person's business beyond the business problem at hand that you can solve. Yeah. Ask questions about the business, learn some business acumen, learn how business is operating in a different industry. Like you have a piece of software right? That could be used in um, publishing or in legal or in uh, uh, manufacturing or whatever. Those are three different verticals, right? So if you're really good at packaging, but you're tasked with, you know, selling your product to, um, you know, these other industries, it's important to get into a conversation with that prospect and learn about their business. Like, Ask how many employees they have, right? Yeah. Just cares if it's not relevant, you know? But I think what that shows to a certain degree is that you have genuine interest in their business beyond just the problem you want to solve, People right? don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mitchell's saying he's he's appreciating all the insights in real world. Now, George, or Dan, Dan almost called you George, is saying it's like the George Costanza method. Uh, this was earlier. Apparently, I missed these comments. I was sitting here talking <laughs> and listening. Um, but I think that's so powerful because what you're really talking about, and and I hate to, you know, I hate to keep referencing him, but I, I've studied him so much. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gittimer. <laughs> yes, Jeffrey Gittimer. You know, what, it's what he says is he doesn't teach people how to sell. He teaches people how to create an environment to buy or how to find or how to put a customer in a position where they want to buy. And that's that's what you're talking about is you're talking about actually, number one, showing them that you do actually care. 
And then number two, beginning to find what the real reason that they could potentially benefit from your product is. And it's not about pitching feature and feature advantage and benefit the old fab days, but it's about really taking the time to say, Hey, I care about you. I care about your business. Let me learn about you. And you know, there I've had it happen to me where I'm on a call with somebody and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I am not the person that needs to be helping you right now, but I know somebody who can help you with this, this, and this that you just laid out. Let me get you in touch with them. Mm. And it's about that bring, it's about really being in that position to bring value and realizing the, 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 I guess you could say the desert that so many of these decision makers are in, especially in the B2B world where they don't have that unless they're paying for outside consulting. And especially, you know, like you're talking about, with Absorbits, that the the website is down below. I put it um, on the banner, and if you're not, um, if you're listening on the podcast later on, I will put it on uh, the show notes. But when it comes to getting into those conversations and just really providing that consultative outlook, and it's I hate saying it because there was that you know the consultative sales mu- movement, and, yeah, it's, but it's just about like understanding where your, where your decision makers are Mm -hmm. and that they're facing this desert of information as well. And so they're, they're always like, okay, well, what could I do better? What could I change? And what could maybe somebody else see that I doubt? Yeah, absolutely. It's about partnering with them, you know, showing that you're, uh, you know, that you're there. uh, Like, you know, I, I used to, uh, I put this out like about a, a year ago, I think. It didn't really get a lot of play. I think people were like, there's no way I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was like my pitch was, um, here's my pitch, right? So it was like, you know, hey, Mr. Prospect, um, you know, I'm Mark from, I don't remember where I was working, right? Whatever I was doing. Uh, and uh, we do this, but um, if it's not this that you're um, interested in or that can help you, uh, please let me know what your real problem is because I have a huge network and I could probably find somebody who can help you, yeah. you know, or something, something to that effect. It was really tight and concise, but it, it was like, you know, it, people used to say, people said to me, Oh, I can never say that. It's like, no, you're not going to get, Oh, they were like, you know, challenged me. They're like, nobody's going to just tell you cause they know what you do or whatever. And they're not going to just tell you a totally unrelated problem. But I, I, I disagree. I disagree. It's, you know, it's also about tone. And I say this, uh, you know, probably people hate hearing me say it, but tone is so important. Yeah. I mean, when you start to talk to somebody and you change your tone, right. Or you are change your tone just to understand what they're going on, you know, whatever the, (laughs) there's a huge, that could make a huge impact in your production, right. Where you kind of bring your voice down. You don't have to be at a 10. You could be at a four and still be effective, right? And so I I feel like some people, and it takes time to find your tone. You know, it's not like something someone's going to come out of school and, you know, be this, you know, great, great uh, sales rep all of a sudden, right? Um, Because tone is, it takes years to perfect, I think, to be honest with you. But, um, But I still give it to them, you know, try it. Try to not, you know be that so exciting person, you know, bring it down a little bit sometimes when you tell stories, right? So we talk about this all the time, storytelling. Yeah. You know, I, I told people uh, one of the things that helps me make my cold calls really a lot of fun is that I look at my list and I pick out all the marks 
and I call them first. Yeah. Why? <laughs> because my name is Mark, right? Yep. And so that starts the conversation off with, hey, Mark, I'm Mark. <laughs> He's exactly. going to laugh. They're going to laugh. Yep. And now and now I can say whatever I want. Yep. Um, and then I look for things like, um, like for me, because I can call all over the country, I look for things like uh, where I could tell a story. So my my brother lived in California. My niece lives in California. So I love called California. I always say something like, oh, my niece lives in, Del you know, in uh, whatever, uh, Daly City. My brother lived in Redondo. My best friend lives in Delray. My parents had a Delray Beach, Florida, right? So I call people in Florida. Alabama, I've got family down there. Southern hospitality is amazing. I always talk about the bar mitzvah I went to and in, in that lasted three days down in Mobile, right? <laughs> yeah. my, my, my uncle down there, my great uncle down there, they, he, he had a, a Western clothing store. So I was like, you know the Western clothing store that you got down there? Um, you know, uh, obviously I'm from New York. Uh, Boston, this is kind of funny, but like, as you could tell, I'm a huge New York Yankee fan and I'll come right out and say, I hate Boston Red Sox. <laughs> to a Boston guy. And they laugh, right? Now I got you, you know, like now yeah. I can ask you anything. Um, so I look for stories. I look for things like, um, you know, I, I was telling the girl, uh, my morning coffee crew, and some of them probably are watching uh, the other day. I said, I look for like, like famous names. You know, like if you've got a famous name, like the name of somebody famous, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's cheesy, but it works. Right. Yeah. I'll look for things like, oh, like I said before, like uh, I'll look for the double M's like Michael McDonald. I love calling Michael McDonald because Mike McDonald, who doesn't know that guy? You know, he's a singer <laughs> and he's a double M. I got a double whammy with that. You know? And exactly. so I think if you yeah, maybe you don't have the luxury to skip around and look at those things or whatever, but. I do it because I know that I could start the conversation off on a better foot. Yeah. And the tone of the conversation changes from I'm this annoying salesperson and I'm saying the same thing as 75,000 other salespeople that called do it. Um, but, you know, uh, back to your question about future sales, like I, I sent an, uh, an email to a client uh, a prospect the other day with the drift video and everything. And I pulled the guy's LinkedIn page. And then I had the drift video talking about his LinkedIn and then I popped over to my website, whatever. And so I've been calling this guy incessantly this past week and different times to try to catch him. And today he finally was in. And so I got his admin on the phone and she said, he's kind of busy, but he said he would be, he would take an email from you. And I said, oh, okay, well, I already sent him an email with a video and everything. And she's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was like, why don't you send it to me and I'll make sure he sees it? Because I said, maybe it dropped into his spam, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I haven't had the conversation with them yet, but she's going to help me. Again, you know, the admins that people talk to, uh, yeah. every sales, lots of sales reps out there will make a call and they'll get the admin on the phone and say, oh, is Jim there or whatever they say, right? And yeah. they say, oh, no, he, he's in a meeting or he's busy. And then they wind up saying, oh, okay, I'll call back later. Yeah. Well, I talked to that assistant because you could get information from that admin and then you can get help from that admin to actually penetrate that prospect if you do the right thing with her, right? If you're yeah. nice, if you tell her, you know, whatever. And so a lot of times what I do is like, and everybody gets this, right? Uh, Justin actually a couple of times last night, he got somebody to say, oh, you know, send me an email to in or send an email to the prospect at info at. And he immediately said, 
I'll be honest with you. I get no responses when I send something to info at, is there any other way we can get in touch? And I say, I've conditioned myself now and I did a little bit of it before, but more cognizant of it now because I'm more inside and I'm always getting asked to send email. I say, well, what, what, what can I write in a subject line that will get him to open it? Because I got to imagine he's a buyer. So he's got thousands of vendors calling him and emailing him all the time. What's going to stand out? You know, I called this guy in, um, St. Louis, right? And his name, honestly, his name was like Rusty Barrington, right? I mean, that sounds like a baseball player. <laughs> I think NASCAR driver, but that's because I'm whatever, right? And so I, <laughs> I said, hey, I said to the admin, I wanted to get this guy on the phone. I said, you know, she was like, you got to send him an email. And so I said, uh, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Where are you guys? Oh, in St. Louis? Great. Is he a St. Louis Cardinals fan? Out of curiosity, she's like, yeah, he's a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. I said, great. I looked up St. Louis Cardinals. I looked up old pitchers. There was literally a guy named Rusty something or other that was like an old pitcher of the Cardinals. I don't know. And I put that in the subject line. I was like, Rusty Barrington, starting pitcher. You know, it was like 1947 or 57 or something like that. But the guy opened it immediately. You know, and I'm not talking about yes, we're telling me it opens two seconds after I send it. I'm talking about he opened it multiple times. He showed it to other people. <laughs> yeah. Because like he doesn't get an email ever like that. Now, yeah. was that personalized? Not really. It wasn't about him. It was about the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, and is he a Cardinals fan? How does he know? I looked on his website. I looked on his LinkedIn page. Nothing about the Cardinals. But she gave me that personal information. Yeah. She I asked for it. But you got to do those kinds of things, I think, yeah. to stand out. Yep. And I think that's, you know, speaking kind of kind of circling back that it comes back to having that willingness to adapt even in the moment. Yeah. And once you've got that willingness to adapt from a macro level and, uh, and in the moment, you know, gets a Katie bar the door. So as we're wrapping up here, I mean, that's we're we're coming to the uh, to the hour mark. What are some things, you know, we've got a lot of people that are tuning in right now from LinkedIn and, and um, we, a lot of people are in that phase. They're either in the early development of their sales career and, and, you know, you, here you are a veteran of 26 years or they're finding themselves where their sales career has suddenly been put on pause because of COVID-19 and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, maybe what are, what are one or two quick tips that you can give somebody as they're in the grind of building their, their career in sales and, and just in general? Oh, I mean, the very first thing I would say is get involved, get involved with the communities, get involved with uh, Thursday night sales, which is a a community of people that actually kind of initiated Rev Genius, which is another community. Um, Get involved and put yourself out there. Get on Clubhouse, for Christ's sakes, and get up on the stage and talk, you know, share some something of value uh, or even if it's not share your story. Um, you know, Scott Lease, I don't know, I dropped so many people's names, so I, I hope everyone's appreciative. But, um, I, I'll tell you, Scott, you know, he's inspiring because he talks to, talks about jumping the line. You know, if you need a job, don't, you know, there's gone are the days of clicking the, you know, apply fast on Indeed or whatever, you yeah. know, um, get out there and, and go to Rev Genius and ask people, do you know anybody at, they have a channel. That says, like, if you have a list of companies, that's the first thing I was telling another gent the other day. I was like, you've got a couple of companies, make a list of the companies you want to work for and then seek out people in those companies. Right. 
and talk to them, even if they're just the sales rep, like the same role that you're, you know, are applying for or want to apply for. Go and talk to them. Pull, get get five minutes on the calendar. Say, hey, can I grab 15 minutes on your calendar or five minutes on your calendar? I want a job at your company, but I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Maybe you can help me because the role that I'm applying for is exactly what you're doing. Yep. You know, and hopefully they'll be, you know, they'll be interested. And, and you know, just that'll help you skip the line. That's what Scott always says. Jump the line, you know. Yeah. Like, don't sell. If you're going to be a salesperson, show right. that company yeah. that you could sell by penetrating. You know, by learning that, you know, or show them that, you know, them right after you talk with them, you're going to get tidbits that are going to help you in the interview and then find people that, you know, or that people who, you know, that know people in that company, you know, and get in that way. That's honestly, if you're not doing that, you're going to lose to the people who are. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is just, just hang in there, you know, like just be cool, you know, and like. And, and don't, and think more, like if you're in this, from the sales side, if you already have a job and you're struggling, um, you know, I would say almost like do the opposite of everything that you think you should be doing, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, cut that email, that email that's three paragraphs long, cut it down to four sentences, you know, send a, send somebody a photograph, a video, yeah. um, try all the stuff that all the people out there right now are talking about doing and teaching try it now look it may not work for you because it's all about testing yeah but just keep trying keep going this industry is going to turn around the world's going to turn around you know it can't get any worse so (laughs) be careful what you say (laughs) that's true that's awesome well thank you again for having me on man Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been amazing. And I think that anybody who didn't, if you were listening in or if you're listening in later, if you didn't get value out of this, you weren't paying attention. So um, I, what I'll do is I'm going to just close this out. If you'll hang out here for just a second here, Mark, I'm going to close this out. So again, if you've not had a chance to uh, to listen to this thing, to this episode in its entirety, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because Mark dropped a lot of very specific and very tactical help things that I think would help you in your sales career and and in your in any career. I don't care if you're in sales or not, but specifically in sales. Um, above and beyond that, if you are um, looking for how to get in touch with Mark, and I've already taken him out of here, but um, I know he is extremely active on LinkedIn. So look him up on LinkedIn. He's Mark Mack, M-A-R-C-M-A-C on LinkedIn. Um, and we'll make sure that he is tagged in all of the posts here. So with that, um, we will be live this time, actually Monday of next week um, at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will have, we've got a couple of guests that are lined up for next week. So we'll see who it is that we're going to have, we're going to bring in there. Um, and until then, I appreciate each and every person who's tuned in here. If you um, got value out of this, share in the comments, tell us what you got out of it, because it'll probably help somebody who's tuning in later. I look forward to hearing from all of you in the comments. I look forward to talking to you next time. And until then, I'm just here to remind you either post value or just don't buy.